If you've struggled with stress, balance, or burnout, and simply feel discouraged or even defeated, and if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health, or relationships, then the Zen Success Show is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher, and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host, Carissa Sims. Welcome to this week's episode of Zen Success. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Mary Sanders. Let me share a little bit about Dr. Mary. And she's my neighbor. She's right in Boulder. <laughs> we could have done this in the, the studio. Dr. Mary has over 25 plus years of experience as a self-employed businesswoman and consultant. Dr. Mary earned her doctorate in chiropractic from Logan College of Chiropractic in St. Louis, Missouri. She completed her certificate in positive psychology from the Whole Being Institute in Lenox, Massachusetts, and studied under Dr. Tal Ben-Shahar. In addition, she completed her master's in intuition medicine. Oh my God, that's amazing. From the Academy of Intuition Medicine. And I've never even heard of that. That's incredible. She is wholeheartedly committed to supporting women who want to transform the way they show up in this world and experience thriving health, happiness, and purpose, utilizing the tools of energy medicine, spiritual embodiment, and meditation. Dr. Mary is also the host of the internationally acclaimed podcast, Energy Medicine, where she talks about all things that align the mind, body, and spirit. Welcome, Dr. Mary. Thank you so much, Carissa. Sincerely, the honor is mine to be a guest on your show. I just know and trust that our conversations and the way that we both think and operate is going to lead into a beautiful and juicy conversation today. Ooh, I can't wait. And juicy. So we'll have to get juicy here with our conversation. I'm excited. And I've had the opportunity to be interviewed on Dr. Mary's show. So you'll have to check out her podcast and our interview as well. So I felt like we were both pretty vulnerable in that interview. It was really beautiful. I, I enjoyed it. Carissa did a great job in that episode. I invite all of you listeners to check her out. She did a wonderful job explaining how there is a time and a place for conventional therapies. And then there's a time and a place to take that ownership, that empowerment of healing thyself. Mm. It was a really powerful episode. I felt honored to hold space for Carissa. She did a great job. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Oh, I'm blushing. Well, I wanted to go into a little bit about how you work with your clients and just get your opinion. Do you feel that everyone can experience burnout in their lives? I think the far majority of people do. I think, you know, the research that's out there today, um, especially with the great resignation that we've gone through, you know, when we all experience COVID together, uh -huh. I believe that people are, are a little bit more honest with themselves as mm. to what burnout looks like and what their boundaries are now. Mm. 
I see. And and how do you feel the great resignation or COVID helps with that awareness of, of being burnt out? Like maybe they were burnt out before. And then when COVID started, they kind of realized that maybe whatever life they were living wasn't serving them. You know how the universe works, Krista. I know you <laughs> and I share this philosophy in that when the world shut down, it forced people to isolate, right? And in turn, in that isolation, they had to, they got to spend time with themselves, themselves, their thoughts, their, their essence, and to determine if they were in alignment, if they were happy, if they were content in the direction that their life was going. I think that happened. It doesn't matter where you were living at that time um, during the isolation of COVID. I think a lot of people did some internal reflection work. Mm, mm-hmm. And so maybe it was healing or maybe it was traumatizing for people, whatever it might be. It was an awakening Mm -hmm. for people. Whether we asked for it or not, right? Right, right. Well, how do you feel we can heal and bounce back from this stress if we're experiencing stress or burnout in our lives? You know, I think that's a legitimate question. And for the listeners, I want to start by acknowledging that when we are going about our day-to-day activities, it's not uncommon for us to take on other people's energies. Mm. Now, what I mean by that is that a person can look at another individual in need and want to be the caretaker and to hold that energy so that the other person has an easier transition in life. I've heard that like a lot of people, maybe they're empaths. And so that's how they feel they can help another person is, is take on their energy. Right. And that comes from, they perceive as an empath. Um, I'm going to, I'm happy to talk about that, but the empaths have a tendency of overextending their second chakra so that they can absorb this energy into their system as if it is their own. And what's and the what, second chakra? For- the second chakra is located just below the navel. Okay. So you're dealing with the pelvic bowl. Okay. And essentially the themes revolving underneath the second chakra are all about creativity or creation. Mm. Mm. And obviously, because of proximity, the second chakra is intimately connected into the reproductive system. So we can, in turn, create another person, another spirit in this world, or we can, as empaths, hold the space for other people. Now, I know that the intention of an empath is to be, they want to believe that everybody is positively uh, in, inclined and that they're doing this to be of support to another person. But what they don't realize is that they are then de- uh, robbing the other person of their own personal journey. So there's a difference between being empathic coming from the second chakra versus coming from truly a state of compassion, which comes Mm. from the heart center. Yeah. And you're creating that boundary, that spiritual boundary, which is important. Got it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when I'm dealing with somebody who is holding space for another person or their biofield has been violated 
uh, whether it be just due uh, to the relationships at work or the interpersonal relationships at home or uh, trauma that they may have withstood within their early childhood, it shows up as leaks or holes or tears within the biofield. And essentially what ends up happening is that it depletes the container of the person's life force energy. Now, all of us have access to our life force energy. It's our personal vivifying signature. Like, Carissa, when you walk into a room, you light up a room. If you're walking into an environment that's a social gathering, a party, people begin to feel Carissa before she walks into the room. Interesting. Interesting. And then when Carissa's energy adds into the blend of all the other energies, right, we intuitively know it's like our spider senses know, hey, this is a person I, I'm going I'm to go talk to this person. I like their vibe mm-hmm. or mm, perhaps I'm not resonating with this person. I think I'll stand over here and keep my distance. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they have like a block and you can kind of like spiritually sense that. And I'm so curious of about this, what you said about they can sense a person's arrival before they come. Is that because we're all psychic and, and we're thinking like that person that's arriving <laughs> breaking this down is thinking about arriving there and everyone else is like anticipating it spiritually. I believe that the biofield has weight. Okay. And so when a person is intending to walk through the threshold of the front door, their energy field precedes them. Oh, you got know, it. as they enter it's the into field. the physical space. Yeah. Okay. Got it. It's the field. Okay. Got it right there. Oh, beautiful. Okay. I see. So going back to your original question about Mm -hmm. burnout, my definition of burnout is essentially where you feel depleted, Mm. like you're running on empty. Mm -hmm. You don't have your own personal reserve of being able to connect with the earth energy, to generate your life force energy, to run Kundalini energy within your system. And if that goes on long enough and you're unable to actively engage within the grounding process of the first chakra, then what ends up is that inevitably the adrenal system, the endocrine gland associated with that energy system starts to react. And unfortunately, there is a biochemical process, a negative feedback cycle that happens within the adrenal system where you're getting too much cortisol, not enough Mm. uh, epinephrine, norepinephrine, or DHEA. So the inner- You're really breaking this down for us. I love that. Yeah, this is what I, this is how I view. And again, this is a unique perspective in that I view the energetic body as it gives us information to the physical body. Okay. And then how it gets stored and transferred within the central nervous system. Mm, Okay. So then how, how can we heal from that stress? Are you talking about supplements? Are you talking about healing or um, awareness? The process that I walk my patients through and to hold space for others in their discovery process is a reclamation. 
Mm-hmm. And so they get to listen internally within a meditation or an expanded state to sense, to feel, to know where there may be some weaknesses within their biofield and also misalignments within the chakra system. So once an individual understands and receives this information, then by setting intention and healing, we can alter the makeup of these energy systems and we can repair the biofield. So it's like layers of an onion. I see. Right. At least the biofield, I should say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what I talk about healing also that if your body is or your spirit is not necessarily ready to heal it could be a few layers underneath that that really needs to be healed but you have to get to the other layers first so i do talk about that like layers of an onion yeah Yeah. and and carissa i you and i speak the same language we may not Mm. use the same words at all times but the essence is still the same And so as we are born and incarnated into our physical home, we Mm -hmm. have essentially a blueprint. There is a a predestined uh, makeup that we come into this world. And it is through time and repetition that the environment then interferes with the biofield, right? Mm -hmm. The different layers of the biofield. And in some level, we have to allow this to happen. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to uh, violate our field. And then eventually what happens, just as you were saying, of the energy system, there's higher vibrations further away from our physical body. And then as we get closer to the physical body, the density increases. So the physical body oftentimes is the last to respond to energy medicine. Oh, that is so cool. (laughs) I'm just like getting caught up in the visuals of this, how you explained it is so perfect and understandable. And yeah, so, so it's funny because sometimes... I, I did like I did a healing for someone and and they said, oh, it didn't work for me. I didn't feel it, <laughs> but it was in their energetic field. And and also my energy stayed with them and I didn't even realize that, which is not healthy mm-hmm. and not healthy healing. And and so I had to call my energy back to that. Uh, so, so it really makes sense what you're saying uh, about the biofield, and I love that. And ultimately, ultimately, it is the I, I want to support all those that we hold space for for their for their own healing and transformation. Mm-hmm. It's up to the other spirit to be embodied in the process. Yeah. So um, it's a team belief- effort. It's a team effort, right? Yeah, my my belief system is that as we facilitate energetic healing, we create an entrainment. And I'm very clear, and I know you are as well, Chris. I think we talked about this in your podcast, in that we're not the intention is not to merge with the other energy system or spirit that we're working with, but to hold sacred space. 
And so yeah. there is an energetic entrainment, but no merging. Yeah. So it's never our responsibility to do the healing for the other person. Our job, if you will, or our gift more like is to hold the space for them to assimilate in, in their own healing journey. In their own healing. Yeah, that makes sense. So you're creating this field of unconditional love, of healing, you're setting the intention, and that other person is participating. Ultimately, it's up to them to heal. Correct. Yeah. Correct. That's so beautiful. And it's always, yeah, it is. And it's, I'm so humbled to be part of it. Meaning oh, yeah. that it's a sacred, it's a sacred space. And to be able to greet another person, spirit to spirit, is a blessing. Yes. A blessing do that, that I do not take lightly, nor do you. Um, it's it's that opportunity to allow that spirit to communicate to you in whatever intuitive way that you receive that information to be of support as you relay that information on to the other person for their healing journey. Well, I think it's wonderful that you said it, you know, that because we can really feel your heart and your gratitude for the work that you do and for your clients to be able to connect with them on that level. So I do think it's important to say it out loud and, and to really claim that. And because it's just, it's just so beautiful, everything that you're doing, the work that you're doing. Oh, I appreciate you saying that, but I also want to be completely transparent and say that whenever I support another spirit in their mm-hmm. in a healing, yeah. I get a healing. I get a healing. Oh, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. And I want to mention something related to that because I've worked with other healers and, and psychic mediums. If you're not feeling healed or energized it may be time to look at the way you're healing and like like what Dr. Mary was saying about um, entanglement and keeping those boundaries. So being clear on that is really important. But yes, I am the same way. I am super energized and have so much joy after a healing. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. There's a high that comes with it. And, you know, quite honestly, listeners, it's pretty addictive too. So um, yes. it's always it's always my honor to hold space. And I was also going to mention that as someone that is holding energetic space for another person or spirit, it is truly our responsibility to maintain energetic hygiene. Yeah. And so we get to mm-hmm. <clears throat> we get to ground off any discordant energy which doesn't belong to us. We yes. get to gift back to the client who's receiving the energy that you know the time that is shared. We get to neutralize our field to the best of our ability through uh detoxification, through breathing exercises and plenty of water. That is something I take very seriously as somebody that holds space for another person. It's my responsibility. Otherwise, I may be bringing something to the table that doesn't necessarily serve the other person. 
Oh, I love that. That's, that's incredible. It's so true as healers, it's our responsibility to stay grounded and to have our own healing as well. So thank you for saying that. I'd love to dive into your own journey. Would you share your own journey of, of healing and, and what led you to what you're doing now? Yes, Carissa, I have to share with you that I wish that I thought that I was in control of my journey, but I absolutely <laughs> was not in control. Meaning that when I look at it, I, I, you know, one would have thought that it'd be nice and clean and linear. However, it is anything but that, anything but that. So um, first I'll share with the listeners that um, at an early age, at the age of 25 was when I graduated from chiropractic school. And I came straight out of school into business for myself. So there were a lot That's impressive. of lessons. That's impressive. I don't know if it's impressive or borderline <laughs> stupid because <laughs> literally there was so much I did not know at that time. All I knew is that I had an acute sense of psychometry, of being able to read other people's energies through my hands. Oh, you could do that back then. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, let me, if you want to even go back further, I wasn't going to say, well, let me start when I was three <laughs> years old, but oh. it was actually, um, I was born, I chose to come into this lifetime being hearing impaired. And so my hearing capacity is 50% what the normal person hears. And I went undiagnosed within the first three years of my life. And so I spent three years, Chris, playing in this spiritual domain. You know, that veil, that thin veil of being here physically on the earthly plane and that thin veil that then, you know, we, we transfer into this spiritual domain. That's where I lived. I lived because that's where I received the information, my intuition. Oh, okay. I didn't get my information from necessarily my environment. Now, I did in a very empathetic way, right? Out of necessity, because I couldn't physically hear, I learned at a very young age how to blow open my second chakra and care for those within my immediate environment, because I couldn't physically hear what was going on, but I certainly was in connected to feeling what was going on. Yeah. And and maybe that sensation or that gift was heightened because you couldn't hear. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was my choice. That was my choice yes. coming into this physical world. And oftentimes when somebody is clairsentient, meaning that they feel other people's feelings or they feel a room or emotions of other people, they mm -hmm. also are blessed with the same energy line of the expression of psychometry, of being able to open the energy centers within their hand. Okay. So, so cool. I know, I know. I'm so, so imagine here I am at three years old. I can't hear my environment, right? Yeah. But I loved to have my hands on my family. Uh, like I couldn't touch them enough. Yes. And so I knew at a very, very young age that I was going to have my hands on people. I just uh, knew. Yeah, because it, you just couldn't help it. And yeah. Couldn't help it. 
Yeah. So as life goes on, um, I chose to, because I knew that I had to desensitize myself on some level in order to make it through this physical world with my human family. So I chose to desensitize myself and I had spontaneous, even, you know, in my, in my, uh, my adolescence and in my teenage years, I had spontaneous clairvoyance or spontaneous uh, direct knowing, or I had spontaneous intuitive information move through me. Oh, Stuff wow. That I shouldn't, yeah. I shouldn't have known. I shouldn't yeah. have known these things. Yeah. And so, so you came in as did... an incredible psychic intuitive healer. That's amazing. Yeah, it's it's a blessing. It's a gift. It's I don't know how to operate any other way. Yeah. So I just assumed everybody received this kind of information. So um, I knew um, I excelled. I came from a family that really was in support of the academic overachieving. So I knew that if I just kept my head down into my books, that I would excel academic, academic. Yeah. Both of my parents were educators. Which so you did, it sounds like. I did. I did. And and I, if I do something, it's going to be 110%. So I went a little overboard. I In my undergraduate years, I studied um, chemistry and zoology. And then three days after my um, undergraduate degree is when I ended up in chiropractic school. Three days. So three days. <laughs> three days. No rest. Wow. No rest. But you're naturally, was was studying, did it come easy for you or did you have to work harder? I was a good student. You're a good student. I, I was a really good student because I had to listen. This yes. was before the time that I was comfortable sharing with other people that I had a hearing impairment. So my okay. eyes were glued onto the professor. I was a diligent note taker. I just was organized. That's yeah. just how I ran my energy. Yeah. So I find myself in chiropractic school and all of a the sudden they're talking about healing yourself from above, down, inside out. They're talking about innate intelligence. They're talking about reading and feeling information through your hand. That's so amazing. All of sudden, You're so like, all these of are my sudden, people. I'm like, these are my people. This is my tribe. This is where I'm supposed to be, right? I didn't know. I did not know. All I knew is that I stayed focused for three and a half years and I graduated at the age of 25 and I went and I started my own business. And so from there, things just escalated rather quickly. And so through the trials and, and errors, I made more errors than, you know, than successes. You know, I just kept at it and developed into a very thriving practice. And to make a long story short, I lost myself in that process. Mm. And I lost my original intention to be of service for healing for other people. I turned uh, into uh, uh, a very focused businesswoman. Yeah. And and so how successful was that for you? Oh, it was it I crashed. I absolutely oh, crashed. crashed. Oh. I failed at it. I mean. Uh, and this was after 22 years. Okay. So I was. Oh my God. That, yeah. I mean, that's like, so what did you build, build your business to? Um, can I ask like, how successful were you like seven figure business or. Well, let's just say that I had a kind of a mothership. I have a, a 5,000 square foot freestanding facility. I had a high volume practice. Wow. So I was treat yeah, I was treating out of four treatment bays. 
And then if that wasn't enough, then I started consulting. And if that wasn't enough, I opened a second business. And so then I had a staff of four different physicians. I had a staff of 12 support people. Um, I was working for an overhead and I was working for other people. I did not find joy in it. It was not fulfilling to myself. However, from the outside, yes, outsider's perspective looking in, they were like, wow, how does she do that? How does she do that? That's pretty impressive. And in reality, I was struggling. I was really struggling. I started to self-medicate with food, with sugar, with alcohol. And I just literally, I, I crashed. I crashed super hard. I ignored the symptoms the signs, the signals that my body was giving to me. I see. And I kept ignoring them and kept ignoring until my body said, time out. And by the way, time out, you are flatlined. You can't do anything. I ignored all the symptoms and the signs until Mm -hmm. I was completely depleted within my adrenal system. Oh, wow. I so was, what did that look like? You, like you couldn't oh, uh, exercise, you couldn't get out of bed or what? All of it. Oh, all okay. of it. Um, at that time, I was seeing a pretty progressive integrative physician at that time who had the knowledge base of intravenous uh, injection, who was able to feed the necessary nutrients and to repair my gut lining and to really hold space for me during that whole crisis. And so my job literally was to heal. And so the requirements were that I couldn't exercise. I could go to work. I had a modified schedule and then I could come home and rest. Mm. And during that time, I I did not do that gracefully. I mean, I did listen. I did follow instructions, but that was so hard, so hard for me Mm. to not like be going, you know, 110%. Yeah. And it was a journey. And Krista, I would be lying to you and the listeners if I didn't say it took me several years. Yeah. And then kind of like my husband sat me down one night and kind of had a come to Jesus talk, you know, like. Oh, either, so you met someone and fell in love during this time. I too. did. I did. And somehow, some way, he just was like, he accepted me for who I was, all my strengths, and more importantly, all my weaknesses. He saw, he saw me going downhill before I openly acknowledged to myself. Mm. And he came to me and it was very sincere. And he was like, look, I'm concerned. I'm concerned that if you don't make consciously make choices, different choices, your illness is going to become even more severe Mm. or our relationship will suffer. And it was true. You know, I was not a very good person to connect with energetically. Um, I was looking for energy wherever I could find it because I was so depleted and I was so filled. My bio field was so filled with other people's energies. I was one of those alternative practitioners who I could walk into the room and say, that's fine. If you're not feeling well today, I'll help you. I'll carry it. And Mm -hmm. I never knew how to mutually separate from my patients and energetically reclaim what is rightfully mine. Mm. Tough, tough, tough journey. Yeah. That 
neutral separations and reclaiming what is rightfully yours. Listeners, I don't know what your background is, but if you are in the service industry in any way, shape, or form, if you hold space for other people, if you have children, if you care for the elderly or you have aging parents, please learn how to neutrally separate so that you can have a separate identifiable container that is yours. And then with Carissa's advice, you can learn how to build up the necessary triad of healing energy to build yourself up from the outside in, inside out. Oh, I'm so glad that you said that. Thank you so much for... (laughs) recommending that you reach out. I was going to say the same about you. Reach out to Dr. Mary for this help if you're a practitioner, because, well, I just want to say it's not every healer that talks about this. In fact, you're like only the second healer that I've met that distinguishes this. And it, and it seems like the most important thing. I'll just have to say it, it, because and, and so do you do that? Do you train people? Okay, great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The first thing that I learned, maybe the second thing that I learned at the Academy of Intuition Medicine, and I wish sincerely, Chris, that I would have learned it back at 21 when I first entered into chiropractic school. Mm-hmm. So you know how fate works. So yeah. Um, when I finally had that come to Jesus conversation with my husband, you know, I, I made that decision to consciously leave the businesses, leave the home, leave my possessions, leave everything behind. Wow. But not your husband. Not my husband, because he motivated me to, to move to Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. Oh my God. I'm sorry. That is wild. You've got a story there. Yeah, got to make this a movie. I want to watch this movie. (laughs) Let me tell you, I woke up on literally the other side of the world. Excuse me. Yeah. Ho Chi Minh City. I woke up on the other side of the world and I went through this like identity crises. Mm. I didn't know who I was, what I stood for, what's my purpose, what's my identity. How do I show up in this world? I was like, I have no idea who I am if I'm not Dr. Mary with a physical brick and mortar space that identifies to other people what I do for a living. Yes. I was so depleted and I was scared. I was so scared that I- To find a new identity or to uh, realize who you were, right? Right. And so what ended up happening, and so I would have been, oy, uh, let's say I'm really bad with dates. So I would have been early 40s. Okay. And so I left my husband in Ho Chi Minh City. I ran away and I went to Bali, Indonesia, and I spent a month doing my YTT. And so I yeah. here I am. But you didn't slowly. leave the relationship, right? No, it was no. All, just, no, no. Just you were going like... Yes. I needed a sense of autonomy. I needed to reclaim my sovereignty. I needed to have like a better understanding as to who and what my energy system was all about. So by going to Bali, I spent a month there and I was doing my YTT. So I was able to focus on my asana practice and somewhere yoga teacher training for those that don't know ytt and i love bali too there's something very spiritual about that the land and the place 
Yeah, and I talked about this earlier. Um, the veil, because Bali specifically as an as an island is Hindi based in a Muslim country, the historically the traditions are very rich and ripe. Mm. So their culture is ingrained with the rituals and the spirituality of Hinduism. And so literally that is one place in the world that I, we went back to live there for over a year later in the story, but that's, that's um, another place in which that veil between the physical and the spiritual world is so thin. So um, sacred, beautiful place. Um, unfortunately, it's going through its hardships now with uh, the mainland trash coming into the shores and mm. it's hard for them to manage. So Bali is not the romantic, clean, pristine, lush environment that everybody has within their mind. Okay. So now back to the story, I came back yes. from Bali to Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, Mm-hmm. And I got heavy into meditation. Okay. And you could I didn't... find it there, like in Ho Chi Minh City, or or did you do it like online or on your own? Yeah, I did it online. Okay? okay. And I did it on my own because I never really had the time to explore what meditation was all about. Okay. But I have to tell you, Final Shavasana is my favorite corpse pose at the favorite time, you know, at the end of the yoga practice that I get to play with my own energy system. Mm. And what I realized that yoga, because I've been doing it since I was 20, has always been my um, self-regulating tool that calms the mind and allows me to turn my reflection internally. So it was within this space when I came back to Ho Chi Minh City, I'm like, well, heck, I got all this time. I might as well, you know, do some self-improvement stuff. And and that's when I started the meditation practice. And I was not a good meditator. Just wasn't good at it. I literally, if it was a body scan, I literally would be sleeping before I got to my ankles. (laughs) Like a body scan, for those of you that are not familiar with it, like literally starts, you know, at most times, oftentimes they start at the feet or the crown of the head and they walk you through your system. Right. That's like Vipassana meditation. That's the type of meditation I learned and and do. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I just didn't have, I didn't have the patience and I didn't have the ability to focus And so what do you do? You fall asleep, right? (laughs) That's true. But falling asleep can be healing during a meditation. I mean, even though you say, you know, you're not good at it, maybe you had to go through that, the, you know, to get to the other side. I'll just share for me too. I, I mean, I don't even know if I could do a meditation for a minute. I started off with Wayne Dyer's getting in the gap. He had this like Mm -hmm. CD and, and I think it was two minutes. (laughs) And Mm -hmm, I was like, mm -hmm. yay, I got through it. (laughs) I I believe it was Wayne Dyer who introduced the idea of using vocal energy of an inhalation and the exhalation. And it was in that gap between the inhalation and the exhalation was the profound inward reflection of the meditation. If if my memory serves me correctly. No, that's right. And you explained it perfectly. And I just forgot that part. But I just remember that I started with him. Yeah. And I, I went through that. I tried 
Um, you talk about Vipassana. I tried uh, probably three classes. Of, I mean, I went back to the same class, the same coursework, three mm-hmm. different times. And the teacher would see me come in the front door. And she's like, you still haven't graduated yet, have you? And I'm like, no, I haven't. I This is super hard for me. So, um, but something really magical happened during that phase in my life. I really started to see, experience, and feel the benefits of meditation. Mm. So I was like, wow, okay, so let me get this right. I now know the body extremely well from the neck on down due to my chiropractic training. And then I'm like, hey, what's happening in this space between the ears? And it was from there that I that led me to study with Dr. Tal Ben Shahar at the Whole Being Institute for my positive psychology training. And the reason, Carissa, that I selected him was because I knew I knew that part of the curriculum was the neuroscience behind meditation. So I was oh, going to finally I love get, that. That's incredible. So I was finally going to get my intellectual capacity as to like what really happens within the brain mm. during meditation. And so then once I learned all of that information, I quickly forgot it. And I say that kind of jokingly uh-huh. because experientially I was more driven to the benefits of meditation for myself. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting too. I just wanted to say is that the research that people are doing about groups meditating and how it changes the frequency of the city. So it's, it's interesting. Yes, we're all connected, but when we meditate together or we have like some kind of intention, there's also a frequency and vibration that gets elevated and can reduce the crime in a city. I know Malcolm Gladwell did um, research on that. It is fascinating. I use the insight timer for my daily meditation, not to listen to guided meditations, but just for the timer. Oh, the timer. Yeah. Yeah. So I set the timer and then the gong goes off and then however many many minutes later, the gong goes off again and I know that I'm done. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to consciously be thinking about time. But one of the benefits, it will tell you how many people you were meditating with. So, yeah. And so I love, I love that kind of collective frequency. Yeah. Knowing that I just meditated with how the many people throughout the world. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. Well, can we, do you feel, um, do you have more to share of your story? You know what? I could go on with my story. (laughs) Um, Okay. I'll share one more part in this. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to make sure that was. So, um, With the positive psychology training, my husband and I started a nonprofit organization to teach teachers how to embody the tools of positive psychology, including meditation, including yoga, Mm. so that they could be more mindfully present in their classrooms. And at that time, we left uh, uh, Southeast Asia and we moved to Colombia, Bogota, Colombia. And so- Wow. How did you decide on these places? (laughs) Again, I'm not in control. In control, Yeah. So here we are creating this curriculum, right? And it's going off really well. As fast as I can create it in English, it's being translated into Spanish. Oh, wow. And so I, I don't speak fluent Spanish, but I was doing the bulk of the, of the content development. So this went over really well. And we stayed in Bogota, Colombia. We were there for, I believe, two years. 
And then I kept knowing that this was wonderful, what we were creating, but it wasn't like my ultimate there's still something missing, still yeah. something that I'm supposed to, to step into. Right. And two things happened that were crucial. The first was the death of my mother, which we talked mm-hmm. about in your, and yes. uh, when you were a guest on my podcast, um, yes. she passed away from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Right. And I was living in Ho Chi Minh City when that happened. And then when I was living in uh, Bogota, Colombia, my sister passed. And my sister was six years older from older than me. Mm. And she passed as a direct result of overuse of alcohol and drugs. Oh, wow. So I got to experience some incredible experience, like it, within the sense of my embodiment, what it's like to sever energetic cords and how cording actually happens energetically. Mm. And so my appreciation of this was heightened. And at this time, I said, I need to go and better understand what this is all about. That led me to go study under uh, Dr. Francesca McCartney at the Academy of Intuition Medicine. Mm -hmm. It was during that program that I was able to blend all of my strengths, all of my knowledge to learn to hold space for another person in an expansive way and to start receiving intuition and in, in literally be able to use it as medicine and supporting another person. So that completes the whole circle. I wish, I wish that it was more linear, but it is absolutely not. But I love how this travel came in. I mean, you're like, I don't know. I mean, maybe your husband was inspired and he's like, let's go here. And then you just trusted. I was at that point, what we call a trailing spouse. And I hate that term, but literally I was, because he was a director at international schools. Yeah, I, I followed him. And so the thought of living in Ho Chi Minh City, I would have never, ever have placed myself in a town, a, a city of multi, you know, uh, millions of people just was not part of my MO. Yeah. I, I was raised in Illinois. You know, I was kind of like a farm girl. Yeah. And then, you know, when I lived in Colorado Springs, I lived up in my cabin in the mountains. You know, I was not a person <laughs> that liked to be surrounded by millions of people. Just oh, not got part it. of my makeup. Yeah, yeah, Bye. yeah. That's what we did. That's it. Oh my gosh. I see. Yeah. Because of your husband's job. Wonderful. Well, it sounds exciting to me. <laughs> I know it wasn't <laughs> like your choice, but I, I actually like, I like big cities and different places. I, I find it exciting The um, the energy it has a, yeah. a pulse to it. It does. And Carissa, yeah. if truth be told, if truth be told, I would not trade those 10 years of living mm. internationally for anything. Yeah. Now, um, because the life experiences were yes. priceless, absolutely priceless to have the opportunity to live in another culture. Yes. And to be a guest and to witness their sacred ceremonies and mm. how they do life and their holidays and how they, you know, it's just, it's just an honor to be part of it. So I, agree. I, agree. I wouldn't trade, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yes. Um, now Beautiful. reintegrating back into the United States, that was challenging. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> oh, got it. Yeah. How long ago was that? Uh, let's see. We've been back in the States, I think, three years now. Oh, my gosh. It doesn't not that long. No, I've been here in Boulder now two years. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Where did you come back to? Uh, we, <laughs> you are asking the right questions. Uh, we struggled. I did not want to come back, um, oh. but this was at the time of COVID and we were slated to start a new school in downtown London. So uh, we hung out in London as long as we could. And then we're like, okay, we're heading back to the States. And I said, well, Colorado Springs is no longer my home. So how are we going to do this? You know, we want a, a, a diverse, open-minded, alternatively forward-thinking city. So we checked out Portland, Oregon. We checked mm. out San Francisco, Austin, Texas. Uh, we thought about Asheville, North Carolina, and we ended up in Boulder. Wow, that's amazing. Okay. So going back to what it's like to work with you, would you share how a session would work, an energy medicine session would work? And you could sure. give an example of uh, one of your clients or hypothetical, whatever you'd like. Okay. Um, so for starters, there's an intake form that literally goes through a review of systems. It goes through the entire body, it goes through your medical history, it goes through your medications, your nutrients, your, your surgeries, everything that I need to know in order to be of support to you. So I look through and scan that information prior to connecting with you on the phone and then I listen in a very receptive state to find out what is it that you are looking to achieve? What is up for you in your world that can be energetically related that we might be of service to? Mm. So then we go through a guided meditation. And that guided meditation is just purely for the intent of creating the um, entrainment frequency and to ground to increase the depth and the width of the grounding so that I, when I hold space energetically, can connect with that other spirit. Mm. So then I ask the person who's receiving the healing if they would like me to lift a veil for a reading and a healing. And at that time, I've never have had anybody decline me the opportunity, but they yeah. sign in. They give me the authorization to read their system. And so they sign in by stating their first, middle, and last name. And then at that time, I'm literally sitting on the other side of the computer with my hands up, facing out towards the person and being able to connect into their field. Mm, so and that so might be online or in person? You do both? I do online. Uh, only online. And the reason, and I've tried it in person. And um, what I have learned is that I am, I hold better space when I am in the confinement of my own personal space and I can blow out my energy system without having to be concerned for another person's well-being. Yeah. Because I can go bigger and faster without another, another person within my physical space. I agree. I feel similar. Go ahead. Yeah. So then... Um, I'm opening my hands and, and asking their spirit after we greet spirit to spirit, how can I be of service? How can I support that other person, that other spirit? Show me what needs to be acknowledged. 
And so literally I sit back and receive intuitive information. My strengths in receiving intuition are my psychometry, my clairsentience, which is just being able to perceive the other energy. I, um, my clairvoyance, which is being able to see out of the sixth eye, I see very abstractly. And then last but not least is the direct knowing. So I receive messages and, I, and I'm just a, a conduit to passing on that information. What I see, sense, and feel is not information for me. It is intended for the other person. Mm. And so then <clears throat> we go through. It all depends. Each person is different. But essentially, I will glance to see if there are any other people's energies. If so, we ground them out. I look at their environment to see if there's any discordant energy. If so, we ground them out. Then I'm able to get a better read as to the container, the biofield that is then that specific spirit that I am supporting. It is from there that I begin to read the chakra system as it relates to the endocrine gland, as it relates to the function of the central nervous system. Now, I'll provide an example. Uh, for example, female patient, maybe in her mid-60s who is going through a divorce and is dealing with type 1 diabetes. Mm. And so then what I know after looking at the system is that there is no delineation within the expression of the third chakra. And the front side of the third chakra, which is all about autonomy, sovereignty, control, mm. individuation, uh, being able to metabolize energy. And so I see a softness in the front. And in the back side, which typically represents energy that we didn't contractually agree to, I see that the back side is squished or compromised or corded. And so then I'm able to tie in the endocrine system associated with the third chakra being the pancreas. And so diabetes is a direct result of an imbalance uh, hormonally within the pancreas itself. Mm. So by altering the energy center of the third chakra and strengthening the borders and the integrity of that energy system, and then balancing the endocrine system, then we can then program the a different emotional response within the physical body. Hugely transformative. Yeah, that's amazing. So how many sessions does it typically take to heal? That's legitimate. Um, so I always, I know that when somebody is new to energy medicine and they are new to me, we will know, they will know after yeah. one session, if they intuitively want to work with me or not. Right. And, and they'll, and they'll what, see, keep going. Until yeah. They and then what ends up happening is that I typically make a recommendation of six treatments. 
Yeah. And the reason that I make this recommendation has been my professional experiences within that amount of time that we will then have made an impact on the physical level of the human structure. Oh, and that goes back to what you were saying before about how the healing affects the biofield and then gets to the physical. Beautiful. Because I recommend three sessions for the same reason when working with me. So that's really fascinating. I, I've learned so much about how you work with people. I have another question. What is Zen success to you? Zen success. Wow. My definition of success overall metamorphosizes daily. Mm. It absolutely does. I'm not trying to be evasive no, with your but question. Can, yeah, you could be, what is it today? Oh, today, because my focus is success is true, physical, energetic, and spiritual embodiment. Wow. That is powerful. And you said that with such conviction that I believe it to be true. So what's next for you? Do you want to talk about the retreat you have coming up mm -hmm. or anything else um, that you like? Chris, to I appreciate you asking. Um, the international retreat that my co-facilitator and I host, her name is Kathleen Wazalewski, is my happiness place. <laughs> it Beautiful. is. It is. I because Everyone is removed from their physical environment, yes. their daily stressors, and the influence then becomes all about the people that are at the retreat. And there's something that really happens, mm -hmm. a magical, that happens in that we start the morning with a short kind of um, vinyasa type practice, and then we move into an hour and a half talking specifically about energy medicine. And so we're teaching the principles and the tools of how to cleanse and to charge and to regulate one's own energy systems for healing. And so we teach how to run the triad of healing energy so that then they can continue that process um, on their own when they leave the retreat. And then we co-mingle throughout the day. Everybody's got flexibility in their schedule. And in the evening, we come together for a yin-based practice. And so the intention with combining yoga with the energy medicine is to use the asana practice to create the space within the physical and energetic body so that we can then create the energy of reclamation to fill up. Mm. And it is, I am speechless when I say to hold space for a group of primarily women, and I think this year will be 100% women, in this journey for a full seven days is one of the most priceless experiences that I get to participate in. Mm. Amazing. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing. It's been such a pleasure getting to know you, hearing your incredible story <laughs> and, you know, just being on your podcast and how you do healing. It's just, you kind of blew me away today. 
I don't know if you knew that, but I'll put your website and how to connect with you in the show notes. So thanks for being on my show today, Dr. Mary. Marissa, I just want to say before we go our separate ways, it's always my honor to connect with you as an individual. I honor your beauty and your spirit. So thank you for being you. Thank you. That's it for today's episode of Zen Success. Head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to shows. Subscribe to the show and share with friends. Be sure to head on over to zensuccessshow.com to help you on your Zen Success journey. And join us on the next episode. May you find your own Zen Success in life.